Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 109. My name is Felipe Leon from but I grew up in San Diego. And with us, as always, from Northern California, is Miss Lupi Gutierrez. How are you doing, Lupi? I'm doing good. Hi, everybody. Good, good. And also with us is Mr. Female Boxing, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Good, Felipe. How's everybody? Good, good. So we are here we are in the beginning of summer. It looks like starting to get hot out here in Tijuana. David was telling us before the show out there where he's at in the Inland Empire is starting to get hot. And also Lupe up in Northern California is starting to get hot. So over here on the West Coast, the weather is starting to uh, warm up, which I kind of appreciate. I kind of get kind of tired of the of the winter or the spring. Uh, here in, in San Diego, there isn't much winter and spring, but whatever we get, I'm getting kind of tired of it. But um, <laughs> with that said, that's the end of our meteorological report. But we're going to talk about female <laughs> boxing here on the two-minute round. And we do have a special interview. We actually had a plan to have an interview with the newly crowned WBA uh featherweight champion Erika Cruz Hernandez from Mexico City, but as it looks like she's having a little bit of technical difficulties on her side, she kind of informed us before the show that she tried to do a couple of interviews with other I don't know if it's her internet or her signal, so her team is trying to get that done. We'll see if she calls in. I don't think she's going to be calling in in 15 minutes, but if she doesn't, we'll try to get her for our next show because obviously we'll talk about her fight with veteran Jelena Moranovich and we all want to know a little bit more about Erica Cruz Hernandez. So if we don't get to have her tonight, we'll go out and look to see if we can have her on our next show, which is scheduled for Thursday, May 13th. So let's go back a little bit to the fight results back to Saturday, April 17th from Costa Rica. Ana Gabriel scored a second-round TKO over the overmatch Marta Lara Gaitan from Mexico in a scheduled 10-rounder. With the win, Ana Gabriels, um, she uh, she achieves a little bit of history when she actually captures the vacant WBA light heavyweight title and also the vacant WBC heavyweight title. So I think that is the first time in female boxing that those two titles have been disputed in one fight. And Ana Gabriels actually achieves the feat by beating Marta Lara Gaitan of Mexico in the second round. David. You're the female boxing historian on the show. I don't think this has ever happened before because the WBA or the light heavyweight 175-pound title has not one that has been used much in female boxing. In fact, a lot of the uh, sanctioning bodies go from 168, which is super middleweight, all the way to heavyweight, and they actually skip the light heavyweight and the cruiserweight weight categories that the male boxing has. But now the WBA and the WBO have developed a light heavyweight title 
and now Anna Gabriels owns the WBA and the WBC heavyweight title, David. Yeah, that's very uh, uh, scant division, both of those divisions. In fact, anything above like uh, super middleweight, it's hard to find girls that big. Uh, but I think uh, in time you're going to find more and more, especially if there's money or exposure involved. I think uh, places like uh, uh, Samoa, Australia, New Zealand, China, okay. they have a lot of uh, uh, female fighters that will be filling in those those spots. And even uh, uh, Europe, it's just that there is no money or exposure for them. But I think it's going to happen soon. What do you think, Lupi? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, well, I think she, Hannah Gabriel's kept herself in the game. She's still, um, you know, I mean, she's got these titles now. And I think you're right that they there'll be some more um, competition coming up. I mean, we're already seeing it with Eve Perkins. There's um, who wants – she wants that fight with Hannah Gabriel. Uh, there's also, like, a Lady Tapa, another gal who, who who is a heavyweight, although I know she wanted a, a fight with Dee Perkins. Dee wanted a fight with Lady Tapa. Do you know who I'm talking about with this Lady Tapa? No. Okay, so um, – and, and she's Samoan as well. And she actually had – a heavyweight contract signed with Dee Perkins, and um, they had the fight all set up, and she pulled out. So she didn't want to face Dee. So now Lady Tapa is fighting one of the girls who Dee, um, Dee Chambers just fought. So there, there's some girls in there. I mean, and there, there should be some more coming out. But it, it's just picking out the real ones. Who really wants? The heavy who fight in the heavyweight division, you know. So far, we have Hannah Gabriel's and C. Perkins. We'll see who else comes up. Hmm. Um, now, David. Well, first of all, we didn't get a chance to see this fight because there was no uh, live feed into the United States or a platform. I don't think they even streamed it on a Facebook page or anything like that. Did you hear of anything like that, David or Lupi? Not to my knowledge. No. Okay. Just, now, David, no, no. go ahead, Lupi. No, no, no. I just said no. That's fine. Now, David, do you know you're a little bit um, closer to that team? You actually had conversations with the team. Um, do you know if she's going to stay with those titles? I mean, she's a natural 154-pounder. She was holding the WBA, one version of the WBA title there. We actually, you know, seen her fight Clarissa Shields at 160. Do you think that she's going to actually stay as a heavyweight or a light heavyweight and follow those uh, those titles? Well, one of my sources have told me from Costa Rica that one reason is that by winning those titles, if somebody like Clarissa wants a challenger to win those titles too, then she has them already. And I think that was one of the reasons. As more enticement for uh, a fight, a rematch with uh, Clarissa Shields. Hmm. Interesting. Sense. Well, I mean, well, let's see, let's see what happens there. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's pretty interesting if she does stay with the titles or she ends up moving back down. I mean, that's a lot of weight. That's about 20 pounds. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens there. And if see, we give the opportunity to see her fight somewhere in the, in the uh, United States or even in Mexico, which would be kind of nice to see as well. We know that she's fought everywhere 
Um, but so let's see if she gets a chance to fight uh, outside her country, even though she is very popular in her home country of Costa Rica. Um, moving on, on Thursday, April 22nd, at the West Point Academy in New York, Ring City on NBC Sports gave us Jelena Moranovich of Canada losing a technical decision in seven rounds to Erica Cruz Hernandez of Mexico City and a scheduled 10 rounder for the 126th WBA title. The scores there after Miranovic uh, was stopped by an accidental I believe it's right eye were 70 to 63 three times. So that states that according to the three judges, Erica Cruz Hernandez was it was a shutout and she won all the rounds including the seventh which was also only a partial a partial round so Jelena Rodgers loses I believe she's 38 years old she loses uh her WBA title that she had been holding for a long time we know that earlier this year she was elevated quote unquote to champion emer- emeritus emer- how do you spell it how do you say it David emeritus emeritus um, she was elevated <laughs> To that to that title, so basically she was stripped um, by uh, the WBC, and that title was awarded to Amanda Serrano, who was the interim champion. So now Maranovic is not a champion. She did state afterwards that she felt cheated because the fight was stopped. She didn't feel that it needed to be stopped, even though the gas was pretty bad. So, David, what did you see in Jelena Moranovic, and then what did you see in Erica Cruz uh, last Thursday? Well, well, what's funny is that, well, not funny, but one thing is that I had never seen Erica Cruz fight. And uh, I was asked by somebody to give my opinion, and uh, a fellow journalist, Mark uh, Flores, uh, uh, asked me, um, Mar- uh, Mark Ortega, I, I mean, he sent me some links. And so I, I looked at the links, and he had told me he thought that Erica Cruz could, could possibly beat her. And, I, and he sent me the links, and I saw the links, and I said, I think he's right. I think she just throws so many punches that, you know, to me, the, the, the secret recipe for success in boxing is hit the other person more than they hit you, and that's what she does. For every two punches... Jelena threw, uh, Erica threw three and four punches and landed. And uh, that's basically it. I mean, she was just a busier fighter. And Jelena never never was a very busy, busy fighter, but she's very strong. And uh, Erica just, you know, she basically showed uh, she's part of the new wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lupe, what did you think of the fight? Um, I thought, you know, I thought both Erica and Jelena, when they first came out of that first bell, like they came towards each other quick. They, you know, they came out strong and fast. Uh, but I don't think Jelena was ready for what Erica had to bring. I mean, and she's a lefty. So, you know, Erica did nothing but mm-hmm. move forward. And her punches may have been a little wide, which a lot of people have said, but she landed everything. And I, you know, I think what we're seeing once again is the younger fighter coming for and then taking the belt from the older world champions. I mean, the next generation is here. Yeah. Well, she, you know, I, I wouldn't. Her team did the right thing. I mean, I know she said she felt cheated. And I think 
maybe we should have her on the show sometime to ask her what she really meant. I bet you there's a lot of meaning behind that, felt feeling cheated. I mean, not having her code, uh, on and on. But they knew, they did the right thing. They knew she was, she lost every round. It just wasn't worth the damage being done to our champion. Well, the thing is, well, first off, I wouldn't say that Erica Cruz is a new generation because she is, she's, she's a little bit older than the other fighters that are coming up. She's like in her early 30s, but it's somebody that we yeah. have not seen before at, in yeah. this platform and that we may or may not see uh, a lot more. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, as far as the cheated part, I think that, I think that, I mean, this is just me speculating what uh, Jelena meant, but I believe that she thought that she could continue, that she could see, you know, she had been, I mean, she's a veteran of 65 plus, you know, mm-hmm. so she has been through it all. I mean, she's been hurt inside the ring. She's been cut inside the ring. She's been headbutt inside the ring. She's been knocked down inside the ring and she has figured out a way to win spite of all that. So I think that the fact that she could still see, according to her, um, and she could still fight on, even though it was a lost call. I mean, it, I mean, she does have the power to knock somebody out. We've seen it in the yeah. past, but she wasn't really hurting mm-hmm. Erica, and she wasn't going to win a decision. I mean, as we see the scores, there were 70-63, and there wasn't really that many close rounds. I mean, every time Jelena scored a good mm-hmm. punch, Erica came back and scored two or three right behind it. So, mm-hmm. so the, but she, but she's a champion. She's a warrior. She's a veteran, mm-hmm. and she wanted to prove that she could continue, or at least give her the opportunity to finish the fight. And she was not given that opportunity. So I think that's where she felt that she was cheated on. I don't know if it had to do with, you know, the issues that she's been having with her team and with her coach, who obviously is in ill health, with the new corner that she was working with. Um, uh, what's the Jonathan Banks, who we've seen before work with female fighters like Cecilia Brakos. So, um, you know, Jelena has posted on her social media since then. She has posted, you know, that we can see that she has been healing from the cut and the black eyes and the swollen lips. Mm-hmm. But she has not mm-hmm. stated, as far as I know, if she's going to continue with her career. And I think that is something that as a former world champion and nearing, you know, the age of 40 and with all the fights that she has gone through, you know, it takes a lot of wear and tear the, the hiatuses that she's had because of the COVID and other reasons, you know, there might not be much left. I mean, and that's just the fact, you know, it happens to every fighter, you know, it gets to the point where the sun sets and maybe that has mm-hmm. happened to Jelena and, and that doesn't take away from anything that she has accomplished. She's has been a great champion. Um, you yeah. know, there is, there is, critique, you know, that she never faced certain fighters. And obviously the elephant in the room is Amanda Serrano. Maybe she was working up to that. She had been um, not fighting. Maybe she was trying to get her rhythm and having these fights on Ring City and kind of develop her develop her career in the United States because this was only her second fight in the United States after, you know, fighting in California, in Canada for such a long time. But maybe we just won't get the chance to see that, David. Do you see Jelena continuing, or you think that it's time for her to maybe, you know, she has businesses in Canada, and maybe it's time for her to hang them up? Uh, that's a good question. She's one of those fighters. It, she was, a, in my book, she was a former pound-for-pound fighter. and She was in my list uh, as late as five years ago. 
she was in the top ten. And uh, she kind of went down just from not fighting the top girls. She she had opportunities that she declined against uh, Amanda Serrano, against uh, the other girl from Texas, uh, I forget her name, uh, Han. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of fights that she didn't take. But it was mainly because of money, not that she was afraid. She just wanted more money. She was getting paid more money to fight in uh, Canada against nobody than mm-hmm. fight in the U.S. for lesser money. And I understand that. She's a prize fighter. Uh, can she still fight? I think so. Uh, she has that power. She has one-punch power. And uh, she's slower, but she's got so much experience. If she chose to remain, she could still be a force. Uh, I, I don't know if she could beat Amanda Serrano or or even uh, Erica Cruz, but she could beat uh, some top people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lee? You know, now, you know, she go, ahead, have, go ahead. Go ahead, Can we be right? She does have like three or four businesses. I mean, but her last, and, and you know, she finally comes to the states to fight. But her last, and and Jelena, she's a she's a champion. She's a great champion. I have so much respect for her. I mean, I've met her and spent time with her. But in her her two showings in the U.S. they were tough fights for her. Um, so her showings in the USA as so people get to know her, we're just okay, you know? I mean, can she continue? Probably, because she is tough and she's strong, and should she? You know, I mean, personally for me, I would hope that she would, it's time, because she's got other stuff she can do, and she's got her gym, and she can work with bringing up the new girls and the next generation. But she's got some fight in her. Let's just see what, you know, should she? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be tough fights. I mean, they're not going to be, I mean, unless she has a power, but I don't know if how long that that uh, that contract was for. Now, moving on with Erica Cruz Hernandez, David and I actually had a little bit of a discussion a couple of days ago of what should be next for her. And, and David is adamant in throwing her in with the Wolves and having her face Amanda Serrano immediately and unify the title, whereas I think that she should have to, to, to defend her title, uh, to defend her title at least one time before mm-hmm. facing Amanda Serrano. Lupe, what is your opinion? Do you think she should go straight into Amanda Serrano fight, or do you think she should do some type of victory lap and given the opportunity to defend her title before she faces Amanda? You know, I, I'm a little split because. She, you want on one hand, you want to say, "Hey, enjoy that win, enjoy that world title for a while before you go and and meet somebody like Amanda Serrano." But on the other hand, um, maybe she should just she should just dive in and go for and go for that unification. And the, and the reason why I think that I was just listening to something that uh, Mark Jones had said, and he said something like um, that he. He loved the fight, loved Erica Cruz, but he thought and he thought she should be number three on Rings Magazine, but he also thought she was limited and that it was, she wasn't, um, it wouldn't last for long. So I've been thinking about what he was saying. And if you take that into consideration, I mean, maybe she should just go for it all. And that would be Miranda Serrano. That'd be huge. That would be really, really good for her. So I guess it depends on what way what should be next for Erica Cruz? 
Well, I mean, my sources are telling me that she's offered more than a hundred thousand to fight Amanda. I would jump at that. It, it would. I mean, why risk it against a ten thousand dollar fight in Mexico or fifteen thousand dollars if she gets high yeah. dollar? Uh, why risk it? Go for the hundred thousand. That's like ten mm-hmm. fights in one. I mean, it's just it's too much, too much to risk. Yeah. If you're in it for the money. But how much would it pay her if she actually defended the title once it came in? I mean, would she, would she be able to demand an one fifteen, one twenty? It's not. Um, this, my sources are telling me she's being offered that over a hundred thousand. Yeah. You got to take it. You got to. That, that's like uh, that's like uh, one of the kids from Riverside, uh, the, like somebody like um, oh Ryan Garcia being offered a million dollars. He says no, I want to take the fifteen thousand dollar fight instead. No, hmm. that that doesn't make sense. You know what? Well, you know, I think I think she's studying to be a lawyer. So taking that big fight and making that big chunk, I mean, I mean that pays your school off, starts your business, you know. Well, uh, let's, see, let's see what's next for her. Let's see what, if she ends up taking that fight or if she decides to do something else. And that is a point, actually, that is a pretty good point, David, right now, because actually this weekend, and it's because of the, not to get too much into it, but because I got some inside information and I'll just give you guys like kind of like broad brush strokes. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Mexico has been one of the biggest female boxing markets in the world. I mean, that is a given. We've talked about it on this show various mm-hmm. times. You mm-hmm. know, Germany has been one of them. Argentina has been one of them. Argentina right now is dormant. I mean, we haven't seen Jessica Tutti oh, yeah. fight in, in a couple of years. Uh, and she was the biggest female boxing star out there. You know, Marcela Cuña hasn't fought. Erika Farias, we'll talk about her in a little bit. Alejandra Ontivero, she's basically, I just saw a video of her saying that, you know, I didn't officially retire, but I would consider my career being um, dead over. You know? um, what is happening is that Promociones del Pueblo, who was one of the biggest promoters in Mexico, if not Latin America, and had a lot of the female fighters like Barbie Juarez, Lu, uh, uh, Pequeña Lulu Juarez, Yvette La Roca Zamora, um, Esmeralda Moreno, uh, everybody that you can, I mean, at one point they had Areli Muncino. And then on the other side, which is, yes, and they're on the Televisa network, which is the biggest terrestrial network in Mexico. And then the other network is called Azteca, and that's who Stanford had. Well, there's been a big shape up with the networks, the, the, the sponsors. And there hasn't been any boxing. I mean, there hasn't been any female boxing or boxing in general on TV, not com- in Mexico, not compared to years prior, the pandemic, mm-hmm. and even during the pandemic. You know, in the pandemic, they're having these uh, studio fights, and Jackie Nava fought there a couple times, and mm-hmm. Jessica Neri Plata fought there, uh, I think, a couple times, or at least one time. Um, Javiles Mercado, actually, she fought there one time as well, the WBC um, uh, Super Bantamweight champion. But Televisa, that was on the Azteca channel, but Televisa has really not done anything since Barbie Juarez 
I don't which which fight was first, the Barbie Juarez losing to I think that Julian Luna or was it the Pequeña Lulu Juarez beating um Guadalupe Martinez for the title? Which one was first? I think uh, it was uh, was first. Barbie. Yeah, Barbie was first. first. So the last fight the last female boxing fight that Televisa, the biggest terrestrial network channel, has had was when Pequeña Lulu beat um Guadalupe Martinez for the WBC super flyweight title. This weekend, Julian Luna, who beat Barbie Juarez for the WBC Bantamweight title, is fighting at some gym in some city, no TV. And I think in mid-May, Barbie Juarez is fighting um, as well, I think. No TV. I'm going to say that again. Barbie Juarez, who we've talked to her on this show various times, and we've talked to her on this show uh, and talked about her various times on this show, um, she is fighting on May 21st, and there's going to be no TV, as far as I can see it being announced. And it's not with promociones del pueblo, who have been her promoter, is with this new boxing promoter I've never seen before called Silva Boxing Promotion. And she's going to be fighting Candy Sandoval, who we've, who she's fought on TV before as well. So the biggest, biggest rating female fighter in Mexico in the last 10 years, perhaps, Bobby Juarez, is going to fight her next fight not on TV in Mexico. So there's mm-hmm. nothing going on with Mexican TV. And to that effect, Erica Cruz probably can't get on TV in Mexico right now and get $10,000. So... If given the shot, I think that she should go. I mean, I, I wish she would have the opportunity to um, defend the title. But if, if she's being offered $100,000 and she doesn't have the opportunity to do it in Mexico, um, then she should take that $100,000 from uh, from whoever's offering it to face Amanda Serrano. So um, we were trying to get Erica Cruz, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show. We didn't get the opportunity to do so, but we did earlier this week have the opportunity to speak to former WBO featherweight champion Heather Hardy, who is going to be fighting in, in mid-May, and we did record uh, the interview with her. Why did we have to pre-record? Because she's in New York City, and she goes to bed very, very early, so she did give us um, some time earlier this week at an earlier time slot than 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time and 7.30, thirty, nine thirty, 10.30 um, New uh, East Coast Time. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and play that interview that we had earlier this week with Heather Hardy, where she will speak about her upcoming fight, um, what is, what, how she dealt with the pandemic, and what is in the future for her, and then we'll be back after the interview. Here we go. Well, folks, here we are with former WBO featherweight champion and former also, I don't know if she's current, but she's going to tell us all about it. MMA fighters are very tough and the very lovely, I might say, uh, Heather Hardy. Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you. Well, as it is tradition, I'm going to pass on the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Heather, how are you? It's been a while. It's been many years. Hi, David. So nice to talk to you. I know what you have. Yeah, same here. You know, you were one of the first uh, uh, early guests in our show when we started it back in 2016. 
and it's actually been that long. Mm-hmm. It's been like like five years since you've been on the show. So I I feel like yeah, it's, like it's way guys, overdue. You guys record so late, so I <laughs> I'm always in bed by then. <laughs> <laughs> so you must get up pretty early then. What's your schedule like? Um, I'm in the gym by 5 a.m. because I train and I teach clients. And then also right now there's no sparring allowed in New York, so you have to go in before the gym opens. So really, really 4:30 days. Wow, I didn't know that. Man, that's that is early. So what's it like? Uh, do do you have to take a taxi or do you take the subway or how? Uh, what's your transportation like? Um, about. Five years ago, I moved a block away from the gym because I just couldn't handle how much time I was wasting going back and forth living on the other side of Brooklyn. So I'm super close. I live and work within blocks from the gym and the other gym that I work at. And it's been almost two years since you fought. I was looking at the record, and I was kind of shocked at the fact that you haven't fought in that long. But, I mean, regarding our situation and everything – What's it been like for you? How do you how do you overcome this pandemic, and uh, both physically and mentally? Well, when the pandemic started, Louis called me and he said, "He said, listen, boxing is really put on pause right now. Um, so worry about you and Annie. Annie's my daughter. He said, worry about you and Annie. Worry about work. Worry about how you're going to provide. Don't count on a boxing paycheck in 2020." And if you need help, call me. And we would check in with me every couple months, but I did exactly what he said, and I didn't even think or lean on boxing. I abandoned my training completely and just started teaching clients and did what I had to do to put food on the table. And really fortunate that, um, I don't know how it was in other states, but everything was shut down here. So last summer it was like exercise was like drugs for people. So I would just stay in the park with my mitts and work like, sun up to sundown, just new clients every day. Man, that's amazing. It, I mean, and your last fight was an epic fight. I mean, it was a crosstown uh, showdown uh, for the world title. It was, you had everybody watching on television. Um, and then uh, what was that like for you? We never got to really talk to you about it, but what was that like for you to engage in that kind of fight? Well, I didn't, I, you know, I hate to say this, but, like, I'm, I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, everyone knows that, but I have common sense, and I really didn't go into that fight thinking that barring something unnatural or completely unexpected happening, that I was going to pull out the win. I mean, Amanda is technically a more sound fighter than me, and that's not something so much that a one-fight camp is going to fix. You know, I have, I have gaps in my game that, there just really wasn't time to fix in the time the fight was signed to to the fight. So we went in there just saying, like, we're going to be tough, we're going to brawl it out, we're going to do the best we can to pull out this win, and whatever happens, happens. The other side is the business of it. You know, she had two fights left on our contract. This was her, quote-unquote, tune-up before she fought Katie. So I didn't really go into that fight thinking common-sense-wise that I would come out with the belt, but I sure did hope I would. I sure did hope I would. Well, what are some of the things that you did learn that you that you can emphatically say, this is what I learned from that fight? Like, damn, I'm tough as hell, right? Like, I knew that already, but... I knew that already, but... I mean, most girls won't even fight her, 
right? Most champions won't even fight her. They hide behind excuses. And as soon as the fight came, I stepped up because, you know, that's what champions do. And I don't care if nobody gives me credit for that. I walk as that's my, that's, that's what makes me proud. You know, that I, I, nobody will ever say I was afraid to fight anybody. I fought that girl. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And now you're going to be fighting uh, Jessica Kamara, and, um, but you're moving up to lightweight. Is, is that a decision? Is that going yeah. to be for good? Oh, so it is going to be lightweight. I mean, I'll be honest with you. They, when they offered me the world title in 2018 against Shelly Vincent, I had no choice mm-hmm. but to take it, really. Like, But I was already ready to move up to 130 to 135. I mean, I was a featherweight fighter. Every single fight, spitting in the cup, 30 hours, no food and water. I was the typical, you know, hunched over, shaking, crying dry tears, going to the the the, the, the scale every single mm-hmm. time I weighed in. And, I mean... Uh, I don't even know if I could make 126. I don't even know if I can make 130, to be honest with you, because I just don't want to put my body through that kind of stress. So it was something I thought about. It. I said, if I'm going to come back and fight, I'm going to come back and fight. I'm going to do it at 135, a weight that I know I can safely get to. And from there, I'll see where I can physically take the rest of me. But I'm not going to go on a two-year you know, two-year kind of layoff mm-hmm. and then come back and try to have it all be about making weight and know that I needed to really focus on getting back into boxing. I didn't train. 2020, I didn't look at my gloves. We literally pounded the dust out of them so, for this fight. Wow. So, so now that you're back in it, what's it like? Do you, do you feel rusty? Do you feel like I still have some things to take care of? Uh, uh, what's it been like getting back into boxing? In the beginning, I felt like, you know, I used to leave the gym like the first probably two to three weeks of training, and I would cry after it because I would be in the ring sparring, and I remember telling my coaches, like, this is the first time in my life. I don't know what to do in there. I feel like an idiot. I feel like I don't know what to do. And they kept saying, just keep going, keep going, keep going. I have great sparring partners, Melissa Hernandez, Veronica Jeffrey, Melissa St. Phil. You know, these girls was pushing me every week until I find And then one day they just said, all right, have this back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she, she came back. She's okay now, <laughs> you know. So and it's really funny because all those girls, and, and you know these other fighters very well, and they're at that weight class too. Is, is that do you have to pull away a little bit because you you may you may possibly fight these same uh, uh, friends? No, because we don't have to. Come on, women's boxing is a little different. When women fight each other, it's because they want to. It's not because they have to. It's not uh-huh. because they have to. We don't have to fight anybody. It's not like like the boys where you have a handful of them where it's like, you know, the promoters are really promoting the shit out of them and, they you know, they just have to mm-hmm. fight each other. Nobody is really promoting us, right? So it's not like the public is like, we need to see Veronica Jeffrey and Heather Hardy. No, if we want to fight, we can, but we're friends. We don't need to do that. Well, that's There's interesting. There's other girls yeah. out there for us to fight. Mm-hmm. And what about the? Do you do you ever uh, look over the landscape like, and say I want to fight in uh, California, for instance, or Las Vegas, or or Mexico, and say well, let's try and make a fight there? Do you ever do that? Or are you and Sabella? It's hard because because I mean I'm such a ticket seller, right? So 
mm-hmm. you know, this is going to be my first boxing match out of New York. And it's not because oh. I don't want to travel. It's because my, it makes sense for the promoters to leave me here because I'll sell thirty to $40,000 in tickets at the Barclays or at the Garden because mm-hmm. local people around New York know me. It would almost be dumb for a promoter to ask me to go fight somewhere else where I couldn't sell tickets, right? Like, it's, it's always been me. Like, people always criticize me and say, well, she only fights at home. Like, bro, I make money at home. Why Why are you thinking? You know, because I get percentages off the gate, too. Now we're in the oh, pandemic. Okay. There's no crowds, so they're sending me to Nashville. But if there were ticket sales, they would have me right here in, in Brooklyn or Manhattan. And then you're going to be fighting on UFC Fight Pass. Uh What's it like knowing that you're headlining this card? It's a pretty good card. Um, a lot of uh, marquee names on the card. And uh, you're going to be main, uh, main event. Uh, what's that like knowing that you're going to do this? Well, it's, it's exciting, right? When is it not exciting to be main event, right? Especially on a card where I can tell my friends here in New York, for the first time they won't get to see me fight, but they can tune in and watch me live, you know? David, before my time, but even when I first started, and I'm sure you can agree with this, there was a time you couldn't watch your friends fight. You know, like I remember when Alicia Ashley used to go over to Mexico, we would have to hear about it. We couldn't watch it streamed live. Or if Melissa Hernandez, you know, when I was in the amateurs, would go to Vegas or someplace else to fight, we would have to hear the coaches come back and tell us about it because nobody televised it. So it's really exciting to have a a channel like UFC Fight Pass, who is going to be able to broadcast it so people can see us, so our fans can see us do what we do. The fact that they have these new outlets now with streaming and television, and uh, like last week's uh, featherweight fight between uh, Merjinovic uh, and uh, Erica Cruz, does that give you more hope yeah. or, or or give you plans to even stay longer than you? Very nice to see because the way technology has shifted. Most people, I don't even have a cable box. All my TV is Netflix and Hulu and, you know, everyone has smart TVs. Everything is internet-based. We've all gotten so accustomed to the Zoom platform and using a streaming app to watch the fights that it is exciting moving forward to see how easily fights can be streamed for the public to see. So, but I will say, I will not stay longer than my body lets me. I don't care how exciting it is. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, okay. That's true. That's true. So how do you feel? I mean, physically, how do you feel? Uh, do you feel another three, four years? Uh, I would, I'm not going to say a single word about that until the minute <laughs> I get out of the ring. Because it's never about the fight camp. You know, when I was 28, mm-hmm. 29, 30, when I first started boxing, I hated it. I hated training. Like Muhammad Ali said, I hated training. I hate training. I hate walking in the gym. It's always a fist fight getting me to do something, even though I do it. And um, I fight because I like to fight. And I have that, like, you know, like how they say, like, women have more than one kid because they have that forget, the piece that makes you forget all the pain. That's kind of what the fight is. So I'm not to see after this fight. Was it all worth it? Because I'm 39. I'm working twice as hard to do the stuff that used to take me half the time. Mm. And what do you know about your, your next foe, Jessica Kummer? I know she's strong. Um, you know, she's she's got all her fights at that weight, so this is a comfortable weight for her. I know she's tough. Uh She's taller than me. I hate fighting tall girls. 
But, <laughs> you know, it should be a good fight. I know uh, her manager is is a kind of close friend of my fight camp, so I would never say a bad word about her. She's got to be decent people if she's part of that team. So, it is say, like we say, karate us. Yeah. Us, and I'll see you in Tennessee. <laughs> oh, that's a, Have you ever been to Tennessee? I've never been nowhere. So, like, my little sister never traveled either. So she kind of begged, oh, I need to go, I need to go. Mom, you got to watch my son. So she kept on saying, i got to go see Heather. <laughs> but we decided we're going to stay in Tennessee in Nashville and sightsee on Saturday. So I'm just like to, to go see the city with my kids with there. Oh, that's going to be nice. Uh, I, I'm going to pass you, uh, Heather, thank you very much for, for speaking with me. I'm going to pass you on to Felipe. I know he has a lot of questions. Okay. Felipe. Thanks, Dave. Actually, with the, before I ask my set of questions, we actually have Lupe Gutierrez, who is our other co-host. She jumped in a little bit after Heather jumped on. So, Lupe, go right ahead. we got Heather Hardy with you. Thank you. Hi, Heather. It's so great to talk to you. Oh, it's lovely to speak with you. How are you today? I'm good. Um, Heather, I have to state, I have to start by saying, you know, you're not just an incredible athlete. You're a remarkable woman, mom, advocate, oh, you. sex symbol, and you come out of one of the gyms with some of the badass women, and you, you know that's all true. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, Heather, is it also true that you wanted to be the first female pitcher for the New York Yankees? I did. I was mm-hmm. I was the biggest fan as a kid. My mom would always talk about she would send me up to bed, and I had this little tiny black and white TV that I'd watch all the games on, and just I'd be up there screaming at the TV, throwing stuff off my bunk bed. I love baseball. I love the Yankees. Okay, so you weren't the first pitcher, to, but what are your first – for boxing, because I know you have some first. Yeah, I mean, I was the first girl who signed to a long-term contract. They, I called me the first lady of Develop for a while. He was like, had me under a full promotional agreement. I was the first girl to box at the Barclay Center. I mean, me and Shelly's fight was the first in over 20 years to be, um, it was on NBC Sports, I think. Like, they were a string of first, but they're all kind of getting, um, I would say not overshadowed, but what I see the giant steps girls are taking now, um, like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah, but you were the first. I mean, you helped pave the way. Mm-hmm. Hey, Heather, I want to ask, ask you a couple of personal questions because I think a lot of your fans, I mean, they know your fighting history. They know your women's advocacy. But I think a couple of questions about your background will give a bigger picture of who you are and why, why you are who you are. Um, you married sure. your childhood sweetheart. So you married your childhood sweetheart, and it lasted about six years. I know that probably seems like a long time ago, but can you tell us a little bit about that and and what you learned about relationships at such a young age? Uh, sure. I mean, I came from a community, a little small community in Brooklyn, very, very small, and that's kind of just what everyone did. You got pregnant, then you got married, and you settled down. So I was with my high school sweetheart. I got pregnant. We got married, and I realized that I wasn't really the settled-down type. So well, I wanted to go back and finish college, which I did, and I kind of 
fell into boxing after my divorce was starting to be finalized, but I realized there was so much of the world I wanted to see, and I wasn't okay just resigning myself to be somebody's wife or someone's mom. And as much as I love being a parent, I didn't want that one thing to define me. I wanted to leave my mark in some other way. And, you know, I, I, I've said this time after time, like, my ex-husband wasn't a bad guy. He just didn't want the same things I did. He's a great husband to his new wife who wants exactly the same things he did, but I just ain't built like that to just be somebody's wife. So didn't work out and taken some time. I don't know. What has it been about <laughs> 12 years <laughs> to find myself, work on my career. My daughter is my best friend. We pretty much are like roommates and I wouldn't change a thing. I don't miss it for nothing. So, you know, you are driven more than people, well, now they're going to know how driven you are because you graduated with a major in forensic psychology. So you're really smart. Yeah. How do you use, did you get to use your major in a career or, and how do you use it in your everyday life? So it's quite interesting. I really wanted to join the FBI. I wanted to travel around the world and fight crime like a superhero. And I got pregnant midway through my, um, midway through my getting my degree and after I had the baby I went back she actually I carried my daughter to get my diploma and when I realized all the things that were involved in becoming an FBI agent becoming you have to become a local police officer first there's you know months of training out in Quantico Virginia I just realized that it really wasn't conducive to a new mother so I thought I'll work to support us for now and revisit it in the future and then happened to onto boxing. So I don't regret my decision. I don't miss it. Uh, I'm fine living vicariously through Olivia and Elliot on SVU and just being a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you said to you and your teenage, your teenage daughter, you're like best friends. So, I mean, what are her aspirations as she gets older and how are you helping her reach those goals? So one of the things I always tell my daughter, like I, I always, um, one of the things I didn't have as a kid growing up in like a lower working class community was after school activities. We didn't have sports. Girls, I loved baseball. Girls weren't allowed to play baseball. We had Girl Scouts and we had softball. And I tried to t- t- expose my kids to as many things as I could. We did cooking classes, we did marine biology classes. We tried sports. We tried after school photography classes and she found art that she's really really passionate about her art so you know along with that she um does some interning in art studios out here where we live and my thing for her was always like kind of what my mom said like i don't care if you want to own it you will work at a gas station just own it make it be yours so take your passion as far as you can that's great and that's great she has you you know, I'm I'm not bringing this up to trash talk, but I actually really want to know how you felt. Um, you know, after your fight with Amanda, your blood test came up positive for a um, mm-hmm. for a prescription drug. Amanda quickly accused you of taking the pen. Were you? It, it kind of surprised me. Were you friends with her before this, and did her accusation take you by surprise? Um, they didn't take me by surprise. We were friends a long time ago. Like, I would say 
2012 into 2013 and the beginning of my um, professional career. We do sparring and stuff like that. And I knew her manager didn't like me very much. She pretended like he did, but, you know, everyone in the gym would be like, Heather, don't trust them as soon as you left. He said this, that, the third. So I always would just to keep my distance. You know what I'm saying? Like, people who say they're your friends, yeah. but you know they're not really your friends because of what they say to people who are your friends behind your back. And I just yeah. knew that for years and years and years. This is who it is. You know what I'm saying? So when they came back yeah. and said all that shit about me, I really wasn't that surprised because I knew that he didn't like me to begin with. And the second piece of that story is it's a very real thing. It was a prescription drug, right? Fine. I think part of the problem was is that even though I lost the fight, so many people were still clapping for me, right? Like so many people, the, the headline of the story wasn't that, she won the world title, and it wasn't that I lost. The headline was that I didn't get knocked out, I fought back, mm-hmm. I boxed well. Like, nobody even expected me to do half of what I did. So I think that that mm-hmm. was just a way to overshadow the fact that he didn't like me to begin with and then was annoyed that people weren't talking about how I, w- I lost, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Hey, and my last my last question, did boxing save your life? Um, boxing really took me on the path of good, but I would hate to attribute boxing to saving my life. I really would. I think it's such a dangerous thing to say because I'm such a driven person. Anything could have saved my life. I'm, I'm glad I found it, but it definitely you gave me purpose something. and put me I would have found something I know I would have not to be like arrogant about it you know what I'm saying but I mean I found boxing and I yeah. thought wow this is going to be my channel to good but I, I mean I was so driven to give my daughter a different life I would have found something but boxing did put me on the path to give my daughter everything that she has that I never had oh that's nice that's really nice well Heather congratulations on headlining the off the all-female card and the matches that I'm hearing about sound really good. I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks for um, talking. Oh, it's so to nice me. to talk to you. Sure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Lupi. And Heather, I just have a couple more questions. I know we have had you quite on, and we really sure. appreciate your time calling from uh, New York City. One question for you. You mentioned to David that, you know, we all know um, the power of Heather Hardy as far as ticket sales in your hometown, but you mentioned that you're going to Tennessee first time you fight out of New York and there's going to be no crowd. How, I mean, obviously you don't, you're not going to give us any numbers and we don't expect you, but how big of a pay cut are you taking in not being able to sell tickets in your hometown? Well, my ticket commissions are usually between, I would say in the area of five to Five thousand seven five hundred, right? Like a ticket commission. So I'm losing that off the bat. And this is always also like I hate to say a small show, but it is a small show, right? It's not like a big Madison Square Garden show. It's not. Um, it's coming out of a pandemic. Everyone's paychecks are going down. But for me, it's more about like I've I've turned down more money for bigger fights. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not like you know, saying that I haven't turned down more money for bigger fights. For me, this is a really important fight because it's going to tell me if I want to do it again. It's going to tell me, am I ready to retire or do I want to do it again? And that's invaluable to me. So um, 
I took just as much money, me and Lou negotiated just as much money as I could where I wasn't losing money, right? Because that's important because God knows between paying taxes on your fight purse is no joke. Nobody wants to talk about that, but paying taxes on your fight purse is come tax time. The 20% that goes to your corner, your cut man, your gym dues, I mean, you're usually left with very little. And then the fight expenses, your outfit, you know, your fight week clothes. Like, you still got to be a woman, so you got to be presentable every friggin' way you go. Your hair done, you know what I mean? So it's like, it had to make sense, but I definitely took a very large pay cut for this fight. Now, with that said, obviously, your main motivation is not money. Obviously, you know, it can't be for any women out there as a professional because we all know that the pay is not um, as much as men. So, but we know that Heather Hardy needs to fight to put food on the table, and that's what she's been doing. So, if it's not money, and you mentioned that it's um, the fact that if you, if this is the fight that's going to tell you if you want to continue or not, is that the main motivational factor for Heather Hardy getting in the ring uh, in May? The fact that you want to see if if you're if you have what it takes or you have that passion or that motivation to continue as a professional boxer? Yeah, I don't want to say if I have what it takes. I know I have what it takes. This training camp has proven to me what my body can do when I put it there. But it's it's like a, you got to weigh it out, the cost of what I'm doing. Is it worth it anymore, right? Like that that's what I want to know. I want to know after I finish my fight, was it all worth it? And And that's, that's a dangerous thing because my heart isn't winning. My heart isn't winning because my blood, it's in my blood to fight until I can't fight anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not concerned that I won't be able to fight. I know I'll be able to fight. I just don't know if, if I have what it's, I, I have that drive to continue this for five more years or for another world title run, right? Because that's a real thing. You've got to be really, really driven towards that goal. I want to go back and win a world title at 135. I want to go down to 130 and win. I want to go back to 126 and reclaim my belt. Like, I have to see where I physically, emotionally, mentally am. The morning after my fight, when I'm sipping a mimosa with two black eyes, probably, right, (laughs) and decide, Mm -hmm. was the last two and a half months worth it? Is this what I want to spend the rest of my you know, and do I want to keep going with this? You mentioned uh, earlier that in 2020, you know, with the pandemic and all that going on, that you didn't even think about boxing, that you were working to put food on the table, that you, you had to dust off your clothes. But despite of that, you were pretty outspoken on different issues on your Twitter account and on social media. Now, do those, um, do those dec- declarations by you, are those, you know, do you think about those beforehand and you kind of work them out in your head and then you write them out or are they spur-to-the-moment type of things? And if so, after you, you send them out there and you post them, do you kind of think, maybe I shouldn't have said that because it may affect my bottom line of me getting a fight or not getting a fight or getting paid or not getting paid? Does, does that ever cross your mind? I'm sure you're referring to the comments I made about Eddie Hearn. And I don't care. You know, and that's a big part of me trying to figure out where I fit in boxing because I just didn't care. I don't care. And that is a powerful thing when you just don't care about saying what you know is right, not giving a shit how it affects your future. 
Like for him to, I mean, and I'll, I'll just die on the show. He made a comment to the press about how he's been the savior of women's boxing, but women need to do a better job of promoting themselves. And all I fucking said was, you're the promoter. How about you promote the women that you're supposed to promote? And it's, you know, of course, all of Twitter went up in a fucking, sorry for my language, went up in, uh-huh. like, attacking me. Like, I was, you're just jealous of me. You're this, you're that. But it's true. And I don't care if the guy never gives me a fight. I don't. I don't care because it is something that has to be said. Because I also know what it feels like to be a contracted fighter who has to keep her mouth shut because you want to keep fighting. But that's been the plight of women forever, right? Like there's only one spot for you. And if you mess up, there's a whole line of girls waiting to take your spot. And I know that because I had a spot for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Harley, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate your time. And from everybody here on the Two Minute Round, we thank you for being with us and wish you all the luck on your upcoming fight. And hopefully, when you're drinking that mimosa the next morning, with hopefully not two black guys, maybe just one, um, uh, you you decide to stay because we love to watch you fight. Uh, thanks, guys. It was great talking to you guys after five years. <laughs> yeah, it's hopefully, hopefully it's, another, it's not another five years, but we thank you. Have a good day. For sure. Bye. Bye. Have a great night, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks, our, our pre-recorded uh, conversation with Heather Hardy. It had been about five years that she had been with us before, and, and it's too bad because she's very frank. She's very honest about herself, her career, and her and female boxing. So, Lupi, what was what did you take from that thirty minute conversation that we had with Heather Hardy? Yeah, she's so honest, so cool, so normal. You know, she, I'm a California girl. She's everything I picture a girl from Brooklyn to be. <laughs> I like her. Yeah, she's a great pioneer. She's a, she's a great person in the sport, and I know whatever she decides to do. She's gonna be part of boxing for a long time. I like her. Yeah, I do. I like her too. Um, so, David, what did you take from that uh, from that Heather Hardy interview? Do you think that that I mean, we we we've seen Heather Hardy fight, you know, boxing fights and MMA fights, and one thing about her is that she gives her all inside that ring, and you know. When she does that, she ends up beat up. You know, black guys, she mentioned it at the end, um, black guys, cuts, you know, lesions, whatever the case may be. We know that's going to happen on May 14th in her next fight. Do you think she stays or do you think she goes? Uh, gee, that's a good question. But she's going to be fighting at a heavier weight. The girls are much taller. Uh, they're gonna be, they can be as tall as 5'10", 5'11". And, uh, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, but, I mean, what she's already done for female boxing, women's boxing, uh, I think she's one of the most important fighters in, in women's history, especially when she mm-hmm. fought Shelly Vincent in 2016 after no female fight had been shown for, like, many, many years, like nine years. And then she had that fight with Shelly Vincent and basically stole the whole show her her fight with Vincent, uh, I think, kind of 
say women's boxing. It, it really proved to people at Showtime and and uh, Fox that hey, there's something here. There is something here. Let's take a look at it. And it kind of opened the door wider for the Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylors. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree that that fight kind of that fight, and I think uh, the fight with Amanda Serrano against Jasmine Rivas on Showtime Extreme back back when we're kind of like like the the first the the first fights of this new wave of female boxing on on TV, and then later on on platforms like the Zone, it opened up the door to Marlene Esparza, to Cinez Estrada fighting on ESPN on the Zone, to Clarissa Shields going on Showtime and so on and so forth. Those fights made it happen. I remember how excited we were when, um, oh, yeah. when those happened. So, so we do have to tip our hat and thank her for hard work because, like she mentioned, I mean, the fact that she's able to sell thirty to $40,000 tickets in New York, that made it so that she and Shelly Vincent, along with the hard work that Shelly Vincent has done, in her career and selling tickets as well, that made it for them to be able to get on those those TV shows, you know, because Debella saw that they they deserved it. They were able to and, you know put thirty thousand to forty thousand dollars worth of tickets, you know, on a fight card. So it made it viable for Debella to put them on the card and then put them on TV. So. And not only was, you know, people opening the doors, but they opened the doors themselves by going out there and selling that amount of tickets and, and, and putting it, um, you know, putting themselves on, on that platform. So and allowing us to see a little bit of her day um, and, and speaking to us here on the two-minute round. Now let's move on to a little bit of fight chatter. WBO middleweight champion Savannah Marshall is sure her much-anticipated face-off against American Clarissa Shields will happen before the end of the year. In a recent interview, Marshall of England stated she understands Shields is a bit busy right now with her budding MMA career, but thinks the fight can happen in November or December. As far as other options, she said she would like to go up to 168 pounds and face one of the unified champions in the category, like Elaine Sederus or Frank John Cruz Desern. David, do you see that fight happening this year, or do you think that whole back and forth and the on and off again negotiations are going to go uh, further out into 2022? Uh, it all depends. Uh, the, the simple fact is that Savannah is not that known in the U.S., and whether or not they want to pay uh, Clarissa Shields less money, she's not going to accept it. She's not going to accept less money than... Savannah, who doesn't sell, uh, that's the big question. Whether or not Eddie wants to break the, break the bank, that's up to him. But, uh, you know, it's it's. I think it's got a 30% chance of happening by the end of the year. 30%? Yeah, because I think she's got to build up her credibility in the U.S. That's because that's where the money is. It's not in England. They don't have anybody there. They don't have that. Yeah. They don't have the numbers. They don't have the numbers. But one thing about Savannah Marshall, she is with Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn is with the Zone, and they're the ones that are paying females probably the best persons out there. Um, you know, Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor is if she's not making a million dollars already, she's close to it. Clarissa Shields yeah. stated that 
that's the number that they would try to, they would have to get close to for her to go to England and face Savannah Marshall. So if somebody is able to pay that amount of money is Eddie Hearn in the zone. So 30%, I think that it's low. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you might be right on the money. I just don't, if it's 30%, then I don't see it happening in 2021. Yeah. The only fight for Savannah is Shields. I mean, Shields, mm-hmm. and, and Shields is worth a million bucks. I mean, Savannah might not be worth the money, um, worth to pay her. I mean, but the fight is worth the worldwide attention, you know, that Savannah will get from this, from this fight, and it'll be a super fight. So, yeah. you know, the million bucks on one end for Shields versus all the attention for Savannah, I mean, that makes the fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that makes and that's a big fight for Shields, too. I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in that class that can help Shields make that kind of money. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. she's really running out of opponents world-class opponents. I mean, we really don't mm-hmm. want to see her with somebody that we already know how it's going to end. I mean, the last fights that we've seen her, we already knew how they were going to end. It was just a matter of okay. how Clarissa was going to end them. Was she going to be able to knock them out or was she going to go to the decision? The decision. So with Savannah Marshall, there's a story there. There's an intrigue. She's the last, she's the only woman to ever beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs mm-hmm. and nobody's beaten her in the pros. So there's a story there to sell. I agree mm-hmm. with David. Savannah Marshall is not really not known in the in the United States, so the fight would have to make more sense in England, where Savannah Marshall is better known, um, and they would have to pay that for her to go out there and defend her title in England. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that 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 she would get paid a million dollars, but I'm sure that she would get paid the best purse of her career, perhaps, because the zone has the ability to pay that, and that would be a big fight. Um, on a big undercard, or maybe even the main event, if Savannah Marshall is able to build up to that. So we'll see before 2021. I mean, I my dinner again. So if those fights get made, I would be happy to see those fights as well. Another fight that has not been made official, but it has been rumored, is that Michaela Mayer will defend her super featherweight WBO title against none other than former lightweight and super lightweight Erika Farias of Argentina. Farias will be going down to 130 pounds to face Michaela Mayer. That is the fight that has been making the rounds, but it has not been made official, David. Do you know when that when that fight will land, if it happens? Jeez, I have no idea. I'm shocked that it's even Farias because... She couldn't even make 135. Oh, she could make 130. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think she's been working. She's been working hard out there in Argentina. I mean, she mm-hmm. she might have the possibility to make 130. Lupe, what are you gonna say? No, I was gonna say that I've been hearing a lot about it too. Like everyone's chattering on social media, and and you get a lot of well, you know, Erica beats Mayer in her prime. Well, this and yeah, I mean, Erica in her prime was incredible. But this, you know, we're talking about right now, you know, and once again, the younger fighters are taking their, you know, they're taking world titles away from the older champions. I mean, in this case, Erica doesn't have hers anymore, but, you know, Michaela's hot. She talks the talk, and she she continues to back it up. I mean, Another fight I'd like to see. I'd love to see it. 
Why not? Yeah, I, I like to see it too because Faria is actually known somewhat. I mean, if you want to say that in mm-hmm. the United States, I mean, she fought Jessica McCaskill twice. Um, mm-hmm. And and Mayor, obviously, she's a little a bit disappointed. She has stated it that she has not been able to secure a fight against the other world champions at 130 pounds. Terry Harper actually was announced that okay. she's going to be fighting. Um, who's Terry Harper fighting? Yeah, and they got human choice, the WBA champion at 130. Um, Mayer was looking to fight uh, Maiva Hamadouche, who's also with uh, Eddie Hearn in the zone, but she hasn't been able to secure it. Why? Because she's across the street with Top Rank. So, you know, Top Rank being the the type of promoter that they are, they are keeping her busy and getting her a world-class level fighter in Erika Farias and staying as a world champion and keeping her busy so when that fight comes against either Terry Harper or Hume-Min Choi or Maiva Hamadouche, uh, Mikaela Mayer will be ready. So if it happens against mm-hmm. Farias, I, I mean, I'd rather see her against Hamadouche because it gets us closer to an undisputed world champion at 130. But I'm not going to, you know, not watch Erika Farias challenge Mikaela Mayer. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. It's going to give Mayer some rounds. And... And uh, it's going to be interesting. So we'll see if that happens, if they make that official. Another fight that has not been made official, even though it was set for April 24th, was Marlene Esparza's um, challenge of 112 WBC champion Ibella Roca Zamora. The April 24th show uh, was canceled because of of the main event, uh, the um, we're getting hurt. So now, Jaime Mugia's defense against Masiev Suleki has been confirmed for June, June 19th. Um, but according to the press release that Marlene Esparza against Ibella Roca Zamora fight is not on the card, we don't know if it's going to be added later or if it's going to fall on another card. We just don't know. But we do know that as far as now, on the press release that was made uh, public a couple of days ago, announcing the Jaime Munguia rescheduling the uh, the Samora and Esparza fight is not on that card. So we'll see if that happens in the near uh, future or this summer. Uh, before we go to the upcoming calendar, we talked about amateur boxing and last the USA amateur boxing team last show, and we had a couple of uh, doubts and uh, questions about that and it looks like Lupi has done her due diligence and got some information. Yeah, and you know, it's it's quite simple. So, um, since the qualifiers for the Olympics were canceled and we knew, I mean, it was hard to get all that done with COVID and the no travel. I mean, when were they going to get the qualifiers done? So, uh, it is simple. I mean, only the fighters who participate in any of the world competitions and have any and have a world ranking, have qualified. So I guess we'll wait and see how this affects our USA team because nothing's really um, been put out by USA Boxing. But in regards to the pros, uh, Erica Farias and Jessica Tutibop, uh, their journey to the Olympics have ended. So, th- I mean, they're not part of any of the AIBA, which is the International Boxing Association. They have no international rankings because they're professionals. Plain and simple, they're out. Wow. So there you go. I mean, all these uh, 
uh, professional fighters that were looking to, um, you know, be a part of, of, of amateur boxing and, and get to the, uh, to the Olympics, um, their dreams have ended. I mean, we saw, I mean, we saw my, I don't know about my Bahamadus. That's one that we saw just off the top of the head. Erika Farias, Jessica Tutti Bob. We saw, um, uh, Delphine pursuing Christina Hammer. I think that she's still trying to get there because I saw her post some amateur fight on yeah. her Instagram, on her social media this weekend. So, um, yeah, she's on a roll. Okay. She's doing like, she's really wants to be an amateur. She's like hardcore. Yeah, she's I mean, doing she really well. She's doing really she well. Basically retired from uh, from her professional career and and looking to uh, you know. So we'll see what happens there. Um, other than that, is there any other fight chatter, David? Any news? Any any tidbits that you'd like to add before we move on to the upcoming calendar? Uh, I wish I could. There's some things that I can tell. Uh, well, I can't really say on the, to the public, but. Maybe uh, soon, maybe very soon. Well, one thing that you just reminded me of is that um, earlier today on their social media, the trainer and manager of Isabella, who in her last fight captured, I believe it was the WBC silver flyweight title, her her manager slash trainer announced on his uh, social media that she is going to be fighting, I think in June or July, for the WBA flyweight title. Now, as far as we know, the WBA flyweight champion is Japanese Naoko Fuyoka. Um, I didn't get a chance to go on the WBA um, website and see if they have posted their latest rankings and if Fuyoka continues to be the flyweight champion or if she has been switched. So we know that we have very loyal followers on our Twitter and to the show. So if somebody knows something that we haven't seen or heard regarding uh, Naoko Fuyoka uh, and her WBA world title, please let us know. And then we'll run it. Which is scheduled for May 13th. And one of the fights that we'll be talking is none other than the one that is happening this weekend on Saturday from Manchester, England on the zone. But it is the return of my number one pound for pound queen, I know that it's not – I don't know if who the Ring Magazine have right now and who ESPN has right now. I don't really follow their pound-for-pound pound list. And I know that she's not David's number one pound-for-pound. Pound. I don't know Loopy's, but she's my number one pound-for-pound <laughs> pound, uh, number one, Miss Katie Taylor, who will be defending her WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO world titles at 135 pounds against Natasha Jones this Saturday on the zone, David. Do you think that this is more of a of a um, of a kind of like a holding pattern type of fight for Katie Taylor, keeping her busy to see maybe we could get something against Amanda Serrano or Jessica McCaskill, or do you think that Natasha Jonas, who actually lost her fight against Terry Harper, has a chance against Katie Taylor? She didn't lose. She fought to a draw. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Yeah. Some would say uh, no, this is, you know, in the United Kingdom, a lot of people are betting for Jonas. They think mm-hmm. she has a shot at beating uh, Katie Taylor. I personally don't. I think that uh, Katie just is a busier fighter. And I think busy beats uh, uh, somebody that's conservative like Jonas. But, hey, maybe I'll be surprised. 
All it takes is one punch to change the, the outcome of the fight. What do you think? Yeah, it'll be, be a good one. It'll be a good fight. I mean, um, Natasha lost to Katie Taylor when they were amateurs um, in the finals of the Olympic qualifiers, I guess. So it's, I mean, Natasha's got a lot to prove. I mean, it'll be a good fight. I think it'll be really competitive, hopefully. Hey, but you know what? I have a question going back to Terry. Do you either of you guys know who Terry Harper's been working with? Because I've been looking at Choi's social media and Choi's in California, and she's working with, she's got a couple of amateurs that I saw, like Erica Sanchez, Michelle Flores. She's got some good work. Do you guys know who Terry's working with? Has she put anything out there? Terry or you or Choi? Uh, Terry, because Choi has, is working in California. She's got some good I'm looking at some of the people she's working with. She's got some good work, but I haven't seen much of Terry. Oh, I see. No, I don't know. I don't know about Terry. Hmm. No, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, last time we saw Terry Harper, she broke her hand. So she's back in the gym. I mean, we, I've seen, we've seen some social media posts that she, unification fight she has against Hugh Moon Choi. I mean, the more, the more likely thing that's going to happen is that Eddie Hearn is going to keep it all in-house. He's going to take the winner of that fight between Harper and Hugh Choi and then have her face Mava Hamadouche. And then he has all the belts with one fighter. And then she starts. he will start negotiating with Michaela Mayer and, you know, pretty much have all the – obviously they're going to want that WBO title, but, you know, they're going to make Michaela fight – I mean, work for it and maybe take less money that – she deserves for such a big fight because they have all the titles and she doesn't. I mean, that would be the smart thing to do. But first thing first, Harper, which can be all that hard, but you know, she's an undefeated world champion. fight. But our next show is scheduled for May 13th. We're going to be talking about uh, the result of the Katie Taylor fight against Natasha Jonas. We're going to be talking about if the Mikaela Mayer against Erika Farias was actually made official. We're going to be talking about if uh, the Yvette La Roca Zamora against Marlene Esparza fight happened and any other news that might uh, pop up in the world of female boxing. So with that said, from Mr. David Avila and Ms. Lupi Gutierrez, we bid you good night, and we hope to uh, have you here on May 13th, our next show. Have a good night, everybody. Take care, everybody. Good night.